Hi, I'm Reg Boy. And I'm Chris Montgomery. Welcome to Design Minded, our podcast looking at how design influences our thoughts and behaviors. In today's episode, we explore what will AI actually look like? So in this quick little episode, we wanted to touch on what artificial intelligence is going to look like, like physically, what are our AI assistants going to look like in the future? You know, for a long time in basically any science fiction show, AI takes a human form, you know, data in uh, Star Trek Next Generation. The Jetsons robot. Uh, even even like the yeah. Tin Man, right? And and Wizard of Oz was literally just like a dude in <laughs> a bunch of silver. Or or C three PO, for that matter. It's exactly what he was. And, and but he's presented as an artificial intelligence system that's uh, human cyborg relations, right? That's uh, it, it fits everything that AI is, and it puts it in a human form, something that we recognize. For that matter, look at R two D two and BB eight, who are clearly robots Mm -hmm. but they have a head they have something that's like an eye or eyes you know it it, it's it looks somehow animated somehow lifelike but why i mean that's part of what we wrestled with in the first or we touched on a little bit in the first ai episode was part of it at least in pop culture is just to create that relatability right we as humans are we have a lot easier time understanding and relating to other things that look like humans or looks like pets or animals that are around us. And so that's a really easy way of doing that in a piece of uh, writing or, or film. But the weird thing is that as we've started to have AI in our lives today, it very rarely looks like anything that, you know, was predicted or doesn't really ever you know we don't have robots that look like us walking yeah. around basically and there are a few examples where companies have developed robots uh and those robots do use machine learning and use ai um that have a humanoid form for example atlas it uh out of i believe boston labs it looks very predictable it has arms and has legs mm. and it can do parkour the purpose of that system is not to be a human-like intelligence. The purpose of that system is to refine yeah. the ability to control robots in human environments, right? So it's a step in the process. But really weirdly, Tesla announced the Tesla bot, which is going to be a humanoid yeah. robot. It looks a lot like the robots in iRobot. Like yeah. It's like the same like white. It's like looks like a human yeah. And they're apparently making it, which is super weird. It is really, really strange. Uh, and, it, and it really doesn't make sense, right? What are no. what are robots really good at? They're, they're really good at doing tasks that humans are not. So like lifting heavy things, doing repetitive tasks. And in any of those situations, you don't want a human form. Humans are right. not like, we're not super strong. We're not super agile. We're not super fast. We're not good at be doing repetitive and mundane things over and over and over again. So, but we are super multifunctional yeah. and super adaptable, right? And that's what makes our form 
useful and why we've succeeded as a species is because we can do a lot of different things well enough. Yeah. But the reason that AI hasn't taken the shape of a human as much, and there are now a couple examples, but it remains to be seen how successful they are. The reason that it doesn't look like humans is because most AI is made for a specific task. And, And so they're designed in a way that they can do that task well. Mm-hmm. You know, the Roomba doesn't look like a vacuum cleaner of of the old, right? It's a little disc that moves around because that's the best form to clean a surface of the floor and to fit under smaller things yeah. and to stay out of the way. Yeah. It would be really cumbersome and annoying if it was this large vacuum that moved around. Think about your your own. Dyson or your, you know, your handheld. Mm-hmm. Like it just wouldn't make any sense. Well, and I wonder if to 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 speak to that fear thing, I think if all of these AIs had taken the shape of humans from the start, then you would start to that fear would become a little more founded, right? Because it's like you're creating this almost like other race. You're seeing Alexas in every home. <laughs> yeah, and it's like just like in pop culture, they've become, they're very relatable when they're humans. If they were real robots moving around with us, we would be having all of the same sort of emotions that we do when we see other humans. And and naturally one of those is fear. Yeah. And so if they all looked like that, you would, you would be more scared of them. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just look more closely at what the human body is like the human brain you can think of as a as a really complicated computer the majority of that computer the majority of its processing power goes to running your body it goes to knowing where your body is in space understanding how your limbs are held in any situation understanding your environment then manipulating each one of your limbs while maintaining balance and as a biped it's that much more complicated to stay upright because we have we're Mm -hmm. rotating around one axis only or we simultaneously have to hold our balance in in two axis axes because we're balancing only on one and Mm -hmm. that's just really difficult so our brain is really efficient really good at running this body which doesn't necessarily uh, and on top of that it's really good at being a thinking machine but if you're building Mm -hmm. an ai why do you bother with running the body what you want Mm -hmm. is this thinking machine so you can capture way more you can do just way more with your computing power if you don't also build this physical system that is as cumbersome as the human body so there are some areas as ai develops that putting an AI in a human form or somewhat human looking form will make more sense. And that's in the area of sort of companionship for humans, right? Most other AIs are serving a specific purpose. You don't need your vacuum cleaner to be a companion to you. You just need it to clean your house. But there are a lot of tasks that can be done by artificial intelligence, but they need a bit more of an emotional connection with the humans in order for them to be successful. Mm There are many jobs, uh, many many areas where AI has a role, uh, and a role that's similar to what humans 
would be fulfilling, but there aren't humans to take those positions. So just as an mm -hmm. example, in Japan, they have a, an aging population and there just isn't enough healthcare workers or, mm -hmm. or caretakers for many of these elderly individuals. So there is a very real concern amongst the elderly and amongst their loved ones that these, these people will die and no one will know. And, and so there is a role there to have sort of companion bots and basically they're just there to to signal to people that this person is alive still but they also serve an emotional need so many of these uh, people are very isolated and now they have someone with some emotional intelligence that they can talk to you know mm -hmm. and they talk to them not as they talk to one of their friends who are their peers or to their ch to their you know, grown up children, but maybe to a child or to a dog, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's an important function. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. exactly human-like to be emotionally intelligent. Right, because if you if you had a device that was just there to tell them if they were still alive, like, you know, a Fitbit with a, with a pulse thing could work fine yeah. for that as far as, but it's serving more than that. It's, it's, it will do that, but it's, and it will track their, their actual physical health, but there's a, there's a certain companionship and emotional benefit yeah. that a that a caretaker is going to exactly. give. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not just a physical need that these uh, people have; it's also an emotional need that these AIs mm -hmm. can fulfill. But what about uh, customer service? For example, the concierge at a hotel, you mm -hmm. know, is someone that needs to be relatable. Someone that needs to kind of provide an excellent emotional experience to the customer but it is also a job that can be very easily automated it's doing the same things mm -hmm. over and over and over again and it can become really good at it but its primary job is learning how to interact with the customers and people are really really good at that but not everybody mm -hmm. wants to do that job uh, it's a very emotionally draining job and so you can have ai concierges that are highly specialized in developing um in understanding emotions and conveying emotions accurately. You know, so that's very important because then it could be this its same cheery self at any hour in the day as someone comes to check into the hotel, you know, even if it's 3 a.m. in the middle of their, their graveyard shift, they're still going to be programmed to be cheery. And that person on the other end may have just got off a red-eye flight. They're in a really tired state. They just, you know, they need a certain simple task provided but they need it done sensitively and yeah. they may not be willing to interact with an impersonal random screen. And so having it a little bit more personalized yeah. is going to make that experience better for everyone. And there are many instances actually where having something that's not a person, but person-like or, or conveying some of the uh, qualities of another human is mm -hmm. actually beneficial. So I saw, for example, that a, there's an AI that's been developed for therapy in war veterans, specifically mm -hmm. at this point, but potentially more generalized later on. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that many of these people suffered fairly severe traumatic situations, instances, and uh, and events. And there's a bit of a culture of not opening up. There's a fear of opening mm -hmm. up to other people because you're afraid of how you're going to be judged and evaluated mm -hmm. by other people that's that disappears or that can be minimized when you're talking to an ai many people feel more comfortable talking to a virtual therapist mm -hmm. than they do to an actual therapist 
And so you can give people the benefit of talking through their problems and by making it relatable, you know, making it something that mm -hmm. simultaneously gives you that distance, but also that familiarity of a human-like, mm -hmm. for example, a CGI avatar that interacts fairly human-like or, or, or potentially even a physical robot down the line. Yeah. And you can see that being really useful because, you know, to move backwards a few steps, many people are much more comfortable to Google embarrassing or awkward or weird things before they are willing to go and ask someone yeah. about it, right? Whether it's how to do something or what a, you know, what that weird rash is on your body or whatever, right? Like there's, there's certain things that people Google that they would never actually, even if they could ask their friend or, or their doctor or their therapist, they don't, they're, they're not quite ready to do it that yeah. because they don't know how that other human is going to react. Yeah. They don't want to look uh, stupid. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to look silly, whatever that, whatever that human emotion is. And so if you can, you know, basically put that into a, into a form that they both, they both know isn't a human, but also can talk to it a little bit more like a human, then you've met that really critical need. And there's a lot of those yeah. places that it could help humans. Yeah. So I think it's very unlikely that the majority of AI is going to take a humanoid forms. You know, the robots from iRobot are not going to take over the world. No. But there is definitely a small subspace where having humanoid AIs that specifically need to be uh, very emotionally intelligent, um, I think we will see a, a slight rise in those type of AIs from where it is today, but it will never be the majority of AI in the future. Design Minded is created by Reg Boy and Chris Montgomery. The theme music for this podcast was composed by Jonathan Boy. Recording and sound design by Audiosyncrasy. Check them out at audiosyncrasy.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening. <laughs>